Now, we're calling this a series, and uh, Pastor Matt, was that you that asked me tonight how long this series is going to, before, before service? This is it. This, honestly, is not a series that we're going to go, okay, we're at the end of it now, we're going to forget about it. No, this is, this, is, this is what the future looks like. What we're discussing, what we started two weeks ago, continuing this weekend and continuing to future, is what the future looks like. Amen? Amen? I said it's what the future looks like. Amen. This is a lifestyle from this point forward. This isn't like, oh, uh, well, this is, what we're te- this is what we're learning in church. No, this is a lifestyle change. Amen. Okay? We've got to be prepared for the season that is upon us already. Okay? Turn to somebody and say, strengthen yourself. Now, I don't know if, if you're aware or not, but there's got to come a time when human history wraps up. Amen. There's got to come a time when, when things change in human history. And, and how do you say that? Well, look at our human history. Things change. Okay. There, there are times when God literally intervenes in mankind's everyday life. Amen. Now, we have a tendency to always take those things and put them in, well, that's how it was in Bible days. Honey, we're in Bible days. And I know what we say when we mean, I know, I know we, well, I should say, I know what we mean when we say that. We're saying, oh, yeah, that's how it was, you know, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. No, no, we're in it. That's right. Uh, the book of Revelation is written for today. That's right. It's written for now. It was in their future. It's in our present. It's happening. Okay? So, so get used to that idea. And, and first of all, Get a hold of the fact that God is for you and not against you. And even though we're living in scary times, stay close to him. You're going to be okay. Amen? Amen? Amen. Don't drift. Oh, 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 this is not the time to drift. Don't don't drift. Stay close. I mean, you better stay as close as you possibly can. Unclutter your life. Unclutter your thoughts. Get rid of the junk in your life that's sucking the life. Get rid of vampires. Amen. Get rid of things that are sucking the life out of you. Because yes. we are in the days where we need to be completely focused on God Almighty, on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because listen to me. We are in the last of the last of the last days. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give every single person here that revelation, God. That from this point forward, Father, you will speak to them. That you will show them things in the word of God. They'll come across teaching, good teaching, Father. Not, not false teaching, good teaching, biblically, biblically accurate teaching, Father God. That the, the level of awareness of the fact that Jesus is coming soon would be so real to us, Father. Because, Lord, only then can we be prepared. 
Because it says in the word that he's coming for those who expect him. And Father, we want to be ready. Now, Lord, we know our spirits are ready. But Father, our souls, Lord. Father, our souls, God, need to be lined up with you, Father. We've, we've inhaled too much of this world. Father, show us. Teach us tonight, God, by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do a very, very quick review. I would advise you, if this is the first time you, you, you're here or been this first time you've been back since the new year, please get on YouTube. Please go listen to the rest of the message. It's impossible for me to completely review everything we've done these past few weeks. So we're in a season of repentance and a season of preparation. You cannot have preparation without repentance. There's no need for repentance unless you're preparing for something. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're coming to the place, and I pray this for every one of us, including myself, coming to the place where the Holy Spirit will show us in detail, okay? You've been thinking along these lines. You've been believing this way. Uh, your life has been going in this direction, and it's not in sync with the Holy Spirit. My prayer, and the reason we're teaching what we're teaching is for us to come to the place and realize, okay, I've got to sober up. Amen. Could you say that, please? Come on, do it again. Say it this way. God, please help me, God, please help to, sober up. to sober up. Somebody's sitting there going, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Honey, <laughs> there's a lot more to sobering than just not drinking alcohol. Amen. When our minds are not clear, when our minds are deceived, when we're believing stuff that's bringing us down the wrong path, that is not living soberly, according to the scriptures. Amen? Amen. So repentance is, the way you, is, is about change of mind. It's about, in order to change your conduct, you've got to change your mind. It's allowing the word of God to retrain the way we think about any specific area in our life that is out of sync with the character of God. Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, here's what I'm concerned about, that we're going to sit under these teachings for the next however, and some of us are going to just go, and, and, but, it's, but it's bouncing off. It's bouncing off. No, it's not good. Because you're going to go from deception to deception. You've got to take this word in. You've got to let the Holy Spirit examine your heart. You know what I mean by heart? I don't mean the pump. I mean the center of our being. So that he can show us this thinking is not going to get you where you need to be. This way of thinking is not going to put you in the place to participate in everything that Jesus wants you to participate in in these last days. Look, if you're born again, Suck it up. You're in an army. You, you didn't join a country club. You left, you, you're supposed to leave your stuff at the door, and it's supposed to be all about Jesus from that point forward. Okay? If you got born again because you wanted to pursue your ideas, you need to repent because you're going to live a frustrated life. 
Because God is not obligated to fulfill your dreams. God is obligated to fulfill his plan. I know it's a tough one. But sometimes you got to eat broccoli. You can't have chocolate sundaes every, 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 every meal. You understand? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. You've got to have broccoli sometimes. You've got to have, you've got you to you get some reality into life. Okay? We don't want to end up living this whole life and missing God while we're in it. If you do, I don't know what to tell you. Because all I got to give you was the word of God. But that should be enough, right? All right, so the word brings us direction. The word brings us instruction. I got to move along here. The main scripture that we've been focusing on, uh, kind of like a foundation, is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us, teaching us, teaching us. The grace of God is supposed to teach us. Teach us what? To stop doing the things we were doing before. Amen. Oh, but pastor, I'm born again. My sins are forgiven. Honey, just because you're born again and your sins have been forgiven doesn't mean that you continue in the same conduct before. Right. Now, listen, some people, some people have been supernaturally graced that when they got born again, certain conduct ceased immediately. Okay? But you're still living in a body. You still have a flesh to contend with. And that flesh, the more you expose it to the things of this world, and especially the crazy world we're living in right now, the more you expose your flesh, your mind, your soul, your will, your emotions to the things of this world, the tougher it's going to be to live in the spirit. Because your flesh gets used to having its own way. And it'll throw tantrums. Are you listening to me tonight? So, it teaches us to do what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lust for what reason? Come on, read it with me. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, now, now. Well, Pastor, this was written 2,000 years ago. How do we know it pertains to now? Because look at the next verse. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious what? Appearing. Appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You listening? Paul was looking to the future. He's saying in the days just before Jesus appears again, and understand that the second coming happens in two stages. It's his appearing first, and then seven years later is the second coming physically to the earth. I don't understand that. I don't have time to explain it right now. We will in the future. Send me an email. I'll send you all the information I can. This is biblical fact. Okay. Well, I don't know. It sounds like a science fiction thing. Where do you think they got all the ideas from? <laughs> Solomon wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. They know. The devil knows the plan of God. The devil knows the patterns of God. He knows how he operates. Amen? Amen. All right. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the Lord. You cut me short there. I, mean, I can read fast, but looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing, say appearing, 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 appearing. say appearing. appearing, 
So, so at some point, he's going to appear. And by the time you know it, you'll be with him. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, Paul said. In a split second, boom, we're out of here. Thank God, because I don't like heights. So before we even know it, boom, we're there. Next verse. Who gave himself for us that we might, that he might, he might, he might redeem us from every lawless deed. He's talking to Christians. We can still get involved in lawless deeds even though our spirit is born again and we're going to heaven. And purify for himself his own special people, zealous for works. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm born again. My, I've been made perfect according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Yeah, your spirit was made perfect. You don't have a problem with your spirit. Once you're born again, you don't have a spiritual problem anymore. You had a spiritual problem before. You listening? Your spirit now is perfect in the eyes of God. But you're a tripart being. There's two-thirds of us that have got to start lining up with the spirit. Now, it's not going to happen completely, but we've got to at least be on our way there. You're a spirit. You have a soul. And they live in a body. Just like the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have been created in his image and his likeness. So as, as he is triune in nature, so is man triune in nature. Amen. Your spirit got born again. Your soul needs to get regenerated. Look it. He's talking to born again people. And he's saying that Jesus wants to redeem his people from lawless deeds. Stuff that's contrary to the nature of God. And do what? And purify for himself. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought I was perfect. No, your mother told you that. <laughs> Everybody else knows better. Your spirit has been purified and perfected. Our soul is on its way. But watch this now. Our soul needs our cooperation. We have to have enough, enough presence of mind to line ourselves up with what God says and not what our feelings are telling us. Right. You listening? Amen. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We could say it this way. For we walk by faith and not by feelings. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, so we got this? So what season are we in? What does the future look like? The future looks like this. Jesus is coming. I want to do something spectacular between now and then. I don't want to spend the rest of my time here just, just having to constantly, constantly repent about this thing and ask forgiveness about that thing. Don't, don't, don't you get tired? Oh, my God. The pastor has to ask for forgiveness and repent. Just like you. I just got called to this. Other than that, same flesh and blood. I don't like the way some of you said, we're too eager to say amen. <laughs> Okay, so watch. 
Last week we talked about this, and I'm going to move very quickly. Paul, when he wrote this, said the goal for us to deny ungodliness and worldly cravings, maybe that's a better way for us to understand it, ungodly desires that are going to get us in trouble. He said the goal, the first thing he said was that we would live soberly. Soberly. Why is that so important? We talked about this last week. Because to live soberly means to not live deceived or under deception. Because if you're under deception, you're never going to see the godliness and the righteousness. You're not going to walk in godliness. You're not going to walk in a sense of righteousness. Now, you can't earn your righteousness. It's given to you as a gift, but you won't even be aware that you have it. Because you walk in deception. This is what Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Here it is again. Here it is again. What, what version is this? Give me the New King James first. Did I have the NLT in my notes? You must have different notes. All right, so, so it's translated in the New Living tra Translation as stay alert. But New King James, the first word he uses is be sober. Be sober. Be sober. Be sober. Now, I can't, I can't, and you can't, and nobody else is going to go, in the name of Jesus, be sober. <laughs> How many drunks have come to church and wish that was true? <laughs> Now, I've seen it happen, but it wasn't when men got involved. I've seen it happen where people have come to church drunk as a skunk, and as soon as the presence of the Holy Ghost manifested, bam, sober up in an instant. Get free from drugs in an instant. Peter says, be sober. Be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? Vigilance, I think like this, vigilance. I'm watching. Why? Why? Why do I need to be sober? Why do I need to be vigilant? Because we have an adversary, the devil, who does what? Walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. You think it's fun to get devoured? But watch this now. He, he's seeking whom he may devour. He cannot automatically devour anybody unless they're walking un. Sober. Is that a word? Let's put it this way. Unless they're walking without their mind clear under deception, then he can attack them and then he can devour them. But he's got to get, look at this, look at this. He's got to get them into sin first. He's got to get them into sin first. The devil would have destroyed Adam and Eve in a second if he could have. He could not because the glory of God was on them. He needed to find a way to trick them to come out from, come out from under that glory, to come out from underneath there. Then he went after them. But he could not do it until they decided to believe his lies, take their faith away from God, and put it in him. You getting this? Deception is serious. Amen. And we are living in a time in human history where never before has there been deception on a global scale like there is now. Yes. 
And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the antichrist spirit that is alive today. Anything to get you away from following God, anything to neutralize you, anything to get you to pay attention to yourself instead of paying attention to God. You notice that the devil never told Adam and Eve to worship him. They told him to get their eyes on themselves. No, God doesn't want you to be like him. He knows that when you eat that fruit, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be just like him. He got them to get their eyes on themselves. And that's why we're living in a society today. Everything is about self. It's about you. About you. You deserve this. And you should have this. And you deserve to be happy. And you shouldn't have any sacrifices in your life. And you, shouldn't have, you should have whatever you want. Be sober. Be vigilant because you've got an enemy that's walking around waiting for you to turn around so that he can devour you. When I was in my mid-20s, due to extreme levels of sin in my life and depression that I was going through, I became attracted to occult practices. I don't talk about this a lot because it's a dark part of my life. I became a student of an occultist, a psychic, a spiritualist named Edgar Cayce. Some of you may know who he is. There's a man who later on I realized was operating under demonic power. I even tried to convince my wife in the early years of our marriage, before we even had any children, to move to Virginia Beach so I could study at his institute. I don't know if it's still there anymore today. I, I hope the building burned down. I was completely convinced that this dark occult practices were just another form of the power of God available to man today. And I began to see some of the manifestations in my own life. That stuff is real. The power of the devil is real. That's why we're told to be sober, be vigilant, not to get involved in any of that kind of garbage because it leads you to destruction. I began to see those manifestations. I began to see supernatural dark things happening even in my own home. There's only one problem. The more I exposed myself to this deception, the darker my soul became. The more sin I walked in. I was slowly being devoured by the enemy because I was not walking soberly, aware, clear-minded. I was completely deceived. However, now listen to this part, because you may know people in that same state today. I was a seeker of truth, genuine seeker of truth. And what I've seen throughout the years, when a person is a seeker of truth, they get God's attention. And God, even in the midst of their darkness, God will arrange some way for them to have exposure to the truth. And I thank God. Because within a couple of years, the Lord began to surround me with his people. Amen. And I eventually got born again, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I knew. And listen, nobody had to tell me about the realm of darkness when I got saved. I knew it from personal experience. And nobody had to try to convince me that there's a power of the Holy Spirit. Because I saw the opposite side of it. You listening to me? 
Now, thank God for that grace that he reached. He surrounded me with his generals. He surrounded me with people who were strong in the things of God. And man, when I saw the truth, I latched onto that. I let go. I denounced everything of darkness, got rid of all, all the books, got rid of all the stuff, got rid of all of that influence in my life. But you want to know something that's even cooler than that? Not only did his grace reach out and pull me out of that darkness, his grace has continually since then revealing more and more and more. But watch this now. I've seen throughout these 38 years that that grace becomes more and more available as I press in. In times when I've stopped pressing in, you stagnate. Don't look at me like that. You stagnate. Because the truth of the matter is this. If you not keep going forward with God, you're eventually going to go backwards. Press in. Press in. Even times when you, you, especially when you don't feel like it. Especially when you're weary. Especially when you feel like, what's the use of serving God? Nothing's happening here. Everything's going wrong. Nothing's coming to pass. None of his promises. Press in. Press in. He's got some great revelation that he wants to give you. He wants to show you something about himself. And, and let me tell you something. Stop, because you may have somebody in your life, and you're saying right now in your mind, that person is so whacked out, and they're into so much degeneracy, and they're into so much darkness. They'll, that, 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 and you, you probably say, oh, that person will never get saved. Honey, that person, when they get saved, is going to leave you in a trail of dust. Because they are genuinely seeking truth. Genuinely seeking truth. Well, you know, I had a friend of mine, they were raised in a church. They might have been raised in a church, that make them born. That don't make them born again. Okay? And then they got off, and now they're following this religion and that religion, and they read this book and that. Why do you think they're doing that? They're searching for truth. Pray for them. Pray for them. Bind the forces of darkness in their life. Pray for them. God knows they're seeking for truth. Maybe he wants to use you to get them on that path. Amen? Amen. Deception is dangerous because when we are in it, we don't realize it. Common sense, right? If you're deceived, you're deceived. Pray for the person. Pray for the person. You listening? So coming back to Titus chapter 2, we see that grace... We said that the grace which I received in salvation not only brought me out of darkness and brought me into the light, but it has put me on this path and it's put you on this path of seeking God's grace, seeking him more. Why do you, have to, why do you seek him more? Because the more you seek him, the less you seek yourself. And you don't need any more of you. So what does it mean to tap into the grace of God? Come on, let's, let's, let's really reel it in here. What does it mean to tap into the grace of God? What does it look like to tap into the grace of God? It is when God gives us what we need when we're facing situations that are impossible to conquer in our own strength. How many of you, be honest, how many of you have had situations in your life and, and some of them may be nobody else knows about them except you because you carry it here. The battles takes place here all the time. And you've faced things and you've said, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this this time. 
Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. You need the grace of God. In the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a story about King, King Jehoshaphat. He received news that his kingdom was going to be attacked by enemies that were too many to even count. Instead of fearing, he gathered together the people of God and they sought God. Why? He's facing a situation that there's no way possible in his natural strength that he's going to be able to overcome. He don't have enough armies. He doesn't have enough soldiers. They don't have enough weapons. If they gathered everybody, young, old, male, female, if they gathered everyone, they wouldn't have made a fraction compared to the armies that were coming against them. Impossible situation. What do they do? They come together. He gets all the people together, and they pray. They seek God. What do they do? Do they, do they let the fear overwhelm them? No. They seek God. And listen to me. Some of us in this room have grown so tired of fighting that you stop seeking God because you believe the lie, this is the way it's always going to be. That is a lie. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. This is what Jehoshaphat prayed. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Look at this. Look at this. Say it with me. Say it with me. Ready? Nice and loud. But our eyes are upon you. Amen. Honey, that's the best place to be. But our eyes are upon you. What are we talking? We're talking about what does it look like to tap into the supernatural grace of God that's going to bring transformation, that's going to get us, give us the power to stop thinking the things we're thinking, saying the things we're saying, doing the things we're doing that are contrary to God's nature. Amen. Our eyes are upon you. God supernaturally gave them instruction how to win the battle, and their enemies were completely defeated. Grace empowered them to do the impossible. And listen, they never had to lift a finger. Amen. All they had to do was show up. They showed up on the battlefield singing, for the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. See, what the enemy tries to do to us is shut our mouths. So we don't make the declarations that are going to tap us into the grace of God. The enemies turned on each other and wiped themselves out. Tapping into the grace of God requires us to keep our eyes on him. Not on ourselves and not on our own ability. Jehoshaphat said what? Our eyes are upon you. There are challenges that come against us that we cannot figure out what to do. Life-controlling habits. Cyclical sin. Do you know what I mean by cyclical sin? You fall. You're okay for a little bit. You come out on top and you're like, wow, I'm doing great. And so you, you put your guard down. You stop pressing into God. And then what happens? The other part of that cycle starts to kick in. And it's cyclical. It happens over and over and over again so that you get wearied and you go, what's the use of trying? It's never going to change. That's a lie. Tap into God. Get his divine instruction. He loves you. He wants better for you. He loves you. But he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And I pray that God never stops dealing with us. That's right. 
Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Maybe this is going to make a little bit more sense now. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are, oh, you don't have that back there, do you? Okay, I'll just read it. You can get it up there. That's fine. Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses in the, to the life of faith, New Living Translation, let us strip off every weight. You ever feel like you're carrying weights? Do you ever feel like it's like, man, you need every ounce of strength to get out of bed in the morning? And I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about physical. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about in your heart, your soul. You're like, what's the use of getting out of bed? It's going to be the same garbage it was yesterday. I've got the same devil waiting at the foot of my bed as I had yesterday. Wearied, tired. Amen? Amen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What are we talking about, church? This whole series, what is this whole, this whole lifestyle change is this. Get the sin out of our lives. It's devouring us. It's weighing us down. It's stopping us from fulfilling the plan of God for our lives. Well, if I don't fulfill the plan of God, at least I'm going to heaven. That is the most selfish thing somebody can think. Because the plan of God is not for you. The plan of God is to use you to touch somebody else's life. So if you don't fulfill the plan of God that he has for your life, only eternity is going to tell how many people are going to remain uninfluenced, unimpacted, untouched, because you decided to just coast it in life. I'm so glad I came to church tonight. Look at this now. Let us strip off every weight and slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with what? Endurance, the race that God has set who? Before us. You've got a race to run. He's expecting you to finish. He's got a crown waiting for you. But you're going to have to get rid of the weights and you're going to have to get, get your feet free so you can run. And so sometimes, like Jehoshaphat, it is not possible to win the battle on our own strength. So God supplies us with his grace, supernatural power to do what we can't do on our own. How? Verse number two, you remember the word of God always gives us direction and instruction. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Man, maybe we'll get to this in further detail in the future. Keeping our eyes on Jesus you know what most of us do? We keep our eyes on the sin. We keep our eyes on the weight. We keep our eyes on the adversity. We keep our eyes, we tell everybody about it. Oh, this is what I'm going. No, honey, you're not going through it. You're stuck in the middle of it. Oh, pastor, if you only know what I'm going through. No, if you were going through, it would be okay. You're stuck in the middle of it. You need to go through, but you're not going to go through in your own strength. You're only going to go through by the grace of God. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Where is he? In the throne room. Where's the grace? In the throne room. You getting this? The grace is available there. But it's just like anything else. You've got to receive it by faith. Yes. You've got to receive it by faith. Amen. 
told this story before. You know how many packs of cigarettes I threw out before I actually could quit smoking? I'd get convicted. I'd be driving down Brick Boulevard. I could see it like it was yesterday. Remember the car I had and everything. Old Toyota. I forget what year it was. Probably 82, 83. Okay. It was the nicest car I had up until that point. I'm driving down Brick Boulevard. I'm going... I can't do this anymore. i got to stop this. This is crazy. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I should not be breathing in this stuff. i got to take care of this temple. I'm convicted by the Holy Ghost. Throw the pack of cigarettes out, and by the time I get to Silverton, I'll be looking for someplace else to stop for another pack of cigarettes. <laughs> but watch this now. Every time I did, I'd be smoking going, Father, I thank you that I'm free from smoking. <laughs> you say, well, that's, that's ludicrous. Oh, no, honey. That's employing a tactic that God has given us. Because if I would have said, oh, God, I'm so hooked, that's reinforcing the sin. That's reinforcing the sin. You listening to me? I'm, and whatever conduct, you fill in the blank, whether it's smoking or whatever else, you, put the, you can fill in the blank. Father, I thank you that I'm delivered. Father, I thank you that I'm free. Father, oh, you laughing. It took a few months, but September the 25th, 1984, was the last cigarette that I smoked. And I declared that day, it was a Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning, Father, in Jesus' name, this is the last cigarette that I will ever smoke. If you would have came to my business, you would have seen a shelf with all the burn marks, every little cigarettes that I left there. All the burn marks, whole row. Somebody could have come in and said, wow, how did you do that decor? One cigarette at a time. (laughs) You listening? So where is this grace found? Can can I get another five minutes? I said, can I get another five minutes? No, you're supposed to say, take ten, pastor. (laughs) Where is this grace found? Where is it found? Yeah. Obviously, it comes from a relationship with God through Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 15. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 16, out of his fullness, whose fullness? Thank you. Because it should have been capitalized, but it's not, but that's the NIV version. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. In other words, you got it when you got saved, but now there's more grace. We got the grace we needed to get born again. But you still got to live here. You listening? Now, if we would have just got swept up to heaven as soon as we got born again, then that's all the grace we would need. Amen? Amen. Because think of it this way. We get to heaven. Do I need grace? I don't know. We're there. I don't think we need it because grace is a supernatural ability to do something that's impossible for us to do in the natural. We're not in the natural anymore. But watch this now. You didn't get when you said Jesus came into my heart. You're here with us and we got to live with you and you got to live with me. And so not only does he give us grace to get born again and in Romans, Paul then says that we receive grace the measure of faith 
And what's that measure of faith? To do what? To get born again. But then we grow in our faith, amen? And as we grow in our faith, we experience more grace. So, so this has come by Jesus. Look what it says here. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of the grace already given. Now, now I think John the Baptist uh, or John the Apostle is, is talking about grace that they saw in the Old Testament. Oh, pastor, the Old Testament's the law. Yeah, but there was still some measure of grace there. God didn't become grace when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. God always is. Amen? So, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Come on, read it with me. It's, 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 it's highlighted. Read it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. So, if it came through Jesus Christ, then where is the grace found? In the relationship with him. I don't know about you, but I tried to get my act cleaned up before I got born again. I tried. I tried. I even, even as a pagan, walking in darkness, tried to fast. Tried to pray according to whatever light I had. It wasn't working. Why? Because my spirit wasn't redeemed yet. My spirit wasn't alive yet. Even, even became a vegetarian way before it was fashionable. My wife thought her husband had completely lost his mind. I can't tell you how much rice and vegetables I ate during that time period. All in vain. In fact, it was getting worse and worse and worse. I wasn't going from glory to glory. I was going from darkness to darkness. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. It is impossible. You don't even have the mechanism within you. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since you have been made right with God in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not because you become, well, I just strengthened myself and I'm just going to think positive thoughts. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, which is grace, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Grace comes through the word, too. But the grace comes alive in the word when you're in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to try to read the Bible before I got born again. I go to my mother's house. She's had this gigantic Catholic Bible with all these beautiful pictures in it. And I, St. Joseph's edition, right? All c covered in plastic just like the couch. I'm not kidding you. I'll never forget this. It was, it was literally weeks before I got born again. I'm going through this Bible going, this absolutely makes no sense. I get born again. First time I go visit my parents, I open up that Bible, and all of a sudden, oh. It wasn't the Bible that was bad. It was my spirit that was dead. Amen. Now watch this now. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. I think I talked about this last week. The Apostle Paul is speaking to pastors in the church at Ephesus. And now I entrust you to God and to the message of his grace. King James says, word of his grace. That is able to do what? Build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who have been set apart for himself. So what is the word of God going to do for you? It'll build you up. 
and it'll give you a part in what everyone else that belongs to God is experiencing. I don't know about you. I did not enjoy being on the outside looking in. I don't like that feeling. I don't like it. Didn't like it then. Don't like it now. But when you don't have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit is dead. You are on the outside looking in, and that's why you're not making any progress. That's why the word doesn't make sense to you, because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And God is saying, I love you. I want you to experience transformation. I want you to be satisfied in the life that you're living. I don't want you to be constantly frustrated because you're constantly being set back by your, by your own workings and your own dealings in your mind. But it's only going to come by a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop right here. Listen to me. We're going to get out of here in just a matter of, of minutes. Stand up. If you're tired of being frustrated, if you're tired of being on the outside looking in, if you're tired of dealing with the thoughts constantly in your head that are constantly sabotaging your life, if you're tired of not experiencing the newness of life that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Get out of your seat and come up here right now. I want to pray for you. Can't do it for you. You got to do it. Come on. I know there's more. Come right over here, man, please. Come on up. I know it takes guts to do this, but come on. Especially if you're here tonight and you never prayed that prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. That's where your frustration, that's the source of it. If that's you, please come up here. I want to pray for you. I'm waiting because I know there's somebody here. You've been fighting, you've been fighting, you've been fighting. And God's saying, if you'll just let me in, I'll bring the peace that you've been searching for. I'll fill the gap that has been tormenting you. You gotta let him in. Please. If that's you, just, just walk up here, please. In fact, you'll get set free on your way up here because you took the first step of faith. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, I want you all to be praying for these people up here. Now, I want you to look at me. Don't, don't put your heads down. Put your heads up. You did a good thing. You, you did something that takes boldness and takes courage, but you acted on faith. You believe that God has something for you when you responded. So I want you to say this with me. Father, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive him as my Savior. I'm so grateful that he died for my sins, and I want to experience life with him. Jesus, come into my heart. I'm tired of doing this on my own. 
I want your grace to just overpower me and overwhelm me. My life belongs to you. From this point forward, I turn my back on everything that's been sin. I turn my back on all the darkness. I don't want to fight it anymore. Help me, Lord. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for the Holy Spirit releasing grace over my life right now. I declare that I am born again. I am a child of God. My past is gone. My future is bright. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen to me. This is the first time you prayed a prayer like that? Honestly. I love that. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. Now, the rest of you, go enjoy your coffee. Go ahead. You're dismissed.